When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level. Stay tuned for that post and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Well, Franz, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing this. Of course. I would I would love to be nowhere more than here. You heard it. So hey, if Franz is happy to be here, then you should all be happy to be here too. Uh, so I know one thing you wanted to talk about. We got lots of things to cover, but uh, I want to make sure we talk about Twitch because you are, uh, I guess, fairly new to Twitch. So I want to make sure everyone gives you a follow over there. Tell us what you have been doing over there and uh, what made you decide to get into it. Uh, so basically what I do, I'm, I'm definitely a variety streamer. I have a series on Sunday where I listen to new bands. Um, I, I stream a lot of video games. Uh, I also... I, I did something last Friday where I showed a lot of bands that influenced me and influenced Attila from my childhood. And it was crazy because people didn't have any clue all these bands I was showing them from like back in my day, AKA 2006 to 2012 types type stuff. So I do a little bit of everything. And why did I want to start Twitch? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh <laughs> I love to talk and I love to tell stories and I feel like it's the best part about be me being a front man and the worst part because my band on stage, like I'll go on a rant and tell all these crazy stories <laughs> to the crowd and the crowd loves it. But my band will be like, hurry the fuck up, dude. Like we right. got to play songs. Like what the, like you can't just talk for 20 minutes. But so <laughs> I just have this thing where I want to talk all the time, tell crazy stories, engage with people, tell jokes, whatever. And so Twitch is a platform for me that allows me to do that. Also, while doing things that people relate to, like playing Apex, which is a fucking awesome game, 
or uh, listening to music together. And eventually, I would like to do what you're doing now and interview my friends via Twitch. So there's there's a lot of different reasons, I guess, that I, I think Twitch is perfect for me. And I've only been on for a month or two, but it's been really good so far. So I'm Got excited. It. Well, I'll put a link in the description of this video. So anybody who's watching this should give you a follow over there. It's uh, MoshDad420. I guess somebody took Franz or Franzilla. So you had to go with MoshDad420. Someone, yeah, someone stole Franzilla. And MoshDad420 is just like my funny name, I guess. But uh, I, I should be partnered, I think, this week or next week. And then when I do get partnered, I believe that I will be able to grab Franzilla as my name because it's a dormant account. Just all these assholes steal my name on everything. Got it. Well, hopefully, uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can help with that. Well, OK, so I, I'm going to ask some juicy questions here to make sure everyone sticks around and watches this. The main question I have is uh, exactly how much money does Franz have? Oh, wow. That's that is a juicy one. So here's the when you have part. what, like three G wagons or something now, dude, actually, I can talk about money all day. We're actually entering a recession. So I've sold almost everything. So oh, okay. as far as is, I, I just within the past month, I sold my Lamborghini. I sold my new G wagon. They were both strategic investments where I made a lot of profit from both. Mm -hmm. So I made like a TikTok about it, but I sold my G wagon and I made like um, $65,000 just from owning the car. And then I owned a Lambo for a year. And when I sold that, I made $40,000. So basically the profit off of those two cars alone allowed me to buy my new car, which is a Porsche Taycan, the all electric Porsche. And that was like, basically free. So I consolidated everything. I've got solar panels on my roof. So my electricity is free. I'm considering putting in a well. So my water is mm. free. Like I'm, I'm in super consolidation mode. I'm not really actually spending very much money at all right now. I'm, I'm doing the exact opposite, but uh, as far as how much money I have, that's kind of the funny question because Google if you Google anyone, uh -huh. it comes up with this crazy net worth number that I can tell you is very inaccurate across the board. Well, like let's, you can see what it says. You can Google anyone. Dude, you can Google my bass player. And I think it says he's worth like 80 million or something. <laughs> like my bass player's like, it's like the joke of the band. Like, oh, this dinner's on Kayla and he's worth 80 million. Okay. Google says your worth net worth is 4 million. That doesn't sound wrong. Okay, so a few years ago, I think it was way, way more than that. So just to clarify with people, your net worth is... That doesn't mean you have $4 million in the bank. Exactly. Net worth is not what you have in the bank. Net worth is what your worth is across all your businesses. So what is Stay Sick worth? What is my record label worth? What is you know Attila worth divided by three amongst right. the members? Uh, and what do I have in the bank? And what are my assets worth? So... If I mean, I would Google, imagine stay sick alone is probably worth several million. I would say four million is accurate. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I, I feel like that's an actually an accurate number, but I know that for a while it was inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. All right, well, four million. Hey, so and I and I'm asking this not because like I want to, well, partly because I want people to watch this, and you got to ask juicy questions to get people to watch. But I understand. But also because one of the things I've always admired about you is you know, that you've been able to do very well for yourself in a genre where it's, I mean, it's not like, you know, metalcore is not a huge genre where people are making a ton of money from, there are some people that do, but you've been able to do very well for yourself because you've always made really smart moves 
and so that's really why I wanted to ask about that. And in particular, like Stay Sick, it seems like, you know, a lot of bands were really sweating in 2020, 2021 when they couldn't be that active. Seems like you were still doing just fine because you've always been diversified like that. Believe it or not, I think that 2020, when the pandemic hit and everyone was sweating, I think that was the most money I've made in my lifetime. And the reason being is because most of my money does come from the internet and from people interacting and watching me on the internet. And when the pandemic happened, all of a sudden, these people that were normally at work five, six days out of the week are now glued to their phones watching me. And, um, and I was buying shit and, and, and also the stimulus checks had a massive, uh, effect on me. And I always tell people, cause some of my friends will be like, Oh, we got a stimulus check. Like, did you get one? And I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> no. I do. I, I do not get a stimulus check. Yeah. Like I'm above the income that gets a stimulus check, but everyone else's stimulus checks flow into me because all of a sudden you've got an extra 1000, 2000 bucks in your pocket. And, um, I drop a stay sick sale and where are you going to spend your money? You're going to buy some new clothes or, you know, whatever it may be, subscribe to my only fans and then boom, like, you know? Yeah. And so are you still doing the only fan stuff? I am. Uh, and is that I'm, still a big revenue source for you? No. Um, I, I haven't been very active because, uh, me and my fiance just had a new baby a month ago. So we're, we've been more like parent mode. Um, I still have my OnlyFans. I still post. It's just uh, I'm not as active on it as I was in 2020. So I think that was another thing that helped is that I feel like people were so bored that they were just like really stoked about OnlyFans in 2020. Like we have nothing to do. Like we want to see some weird stuff. Like we're bored. 2020 felt like the year for OnlyFans. I don't the, literally it the did. only one I've ever looked at is yours. So I don't like follow it really, but it seems like that was yeah. like a moment for it. So honestly, it it started kind of spike uh gaining a lot of momentum in 2019 in like 2018, 2019. And I actually started before the pandemic in like November or December of 2019. So I didn't even know a pandemic was starting because a lot of people did OnlyFans because of the pandemic. They're like, well, I'm I'm only doing this to make money. And I was just like, I'm doing it because it's fun. I don't care. And then the pandemic started and then it went through the roof because everyone was bored. And I think you saw like a big rise in people starting OnlyFans during the pandemic because they had nothing else to do. So it wasn't the case for me, but I, I did. It did help. So it seems to me, tell me if this is right, but it seems to me like now you basically do Attila more for fun than anything else. Yeah, 100%. That is something I always tell people from the get-go. When I started Attila when I was 14, I had no idea that you could make money playing music. That was never my motive. I never wanted to be in a band to make money. I wanted to be in a band for the experience because I saw people in bands got to travel the world, free alcohol, free drugs, unlimited women. Like you could do whatever you want. And like you, you were like the king of the earth. Money was the last thing I thought of. So I always tell people, if you're going to commit to something, make sure that you're going to commit for the next 10 years, because you might not make money for a long time. And with Attila, I didn't make a penny for the first six years in Attila. And the first time that we made money, I'll never forget our tour manager handing me an envelope 
And I said, what's this? And he said, he said, open it up. And I was like, okay. And I opened it up and there was some money in there. Like I, it was like, I don't know, 500 bucks, maybe like a thousand bucks. I was, was like, this for one show or the end of a tour, the end of a tour. So even then you made a thousand bucks. I was blown away. I was like, what the fuck do I do with this? Like, I didn't know you could make money playing right. music. Like I've been in Attila for six years and I haven't made a penny. And now I have an envelope of money. So I like remember like being like, I guess I need a bank account. And then I made a bank account for the first time and it was just like blown away. So I never did Attila for the money to begin with. I did it because I like the music that we make and I like the experience of being a rock star. I think that that's the most fun part about it. Right. But you, I mean, at least now you have a very sophisticated understanding of like money and how to make it and run a business and stuff. Did that come later or tell me about, I mean, it seems unusual to me that you would understand money so well, but not care about it. Like, I guess like how to manage money and stuff kind of came later, but I was always fascinated with business. And I think that's just deeply rooted in how I was raised. So the way I was raised, I never got anything. Like I never got anything at all ever barely went on vacation didn't go out to eat um if i wanted a small allowance of like a couple dollars a week i had to work really hard for it so from a young age i started doing my own businesses where um i would mow people's lawns for 20 bucks front and backyard and trim and everything and i'm i'm like 10 years old like 9 years old at this point but i i i knew that i wanted to make money because that's the only way I could get it. And it was cool and fascinating to me. And my grandpa worked at a driving range, like a golf range. And he would bring me giant, like industrial trash bag with thousands of golf balls. And my dad was a manager of a grocery store and he would bring me empty egg cartons. So I would take the empty egg cartons and sort the golf balls by uh, like how clean they were, brand, quality, everything. I would load them up in a wagon and I, my neighborhood was kind of poor, but we lived by a rich neighborhood. So I would take my wagon like half a mile away, go to the rich neighborhood walking as like an eight or nine year old. And then I would look in the garages of every house and see which garages had golf bags in them. And every garage with a golf bag, I would knock on the door and everyone was blown away by my business. Cause I was just a little kid hustling the fuck out of people. Right. And, um, it turned into something to where I had like routine customers that would say, Hey, this is amazing. The golf balls are great. Uh, if you can come once per month. So I would build up like a little catalog of people that I had to assist to every month. And I would just like, dude, I was a businessman from before I was 10. So yeah, I just recurring revenue in fifth grade. Yep. I always, always did business. Even in school, I did business. Everything I did was business because it was fascinating to me but my passion was music. I see. Well, you know, that kind of just old school hustle is something that like, it sounds so simple, but like a lot of people don't get that. Like I talk to people, like maybe they want to be a photographer. I'm like, okay, make a list of 200 people you want to work with and then spend an hour or two a day following up with that list. Do that for three years. And I fucking guarantee you that you're going to have all the clients you want. You're absolutely right. But and people don't won't do it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and don't expect anything, but just maybe like, I know you got to get paid for what you do, but rogue shoot, like rogue shoot right. some of your favorite bands, provide them excellent content to where they're blown away by your skill. And then you say, Hey, I would like to be, you know, work for you or 
be paid in the future or whatever network meet people right work for a magazine work for a big publication there's avenues out there if you if you really want it i think uh the issue is that i think a lot of the younger generation is used to the whole just like handout everything is easy right dude it wasn't easy for me it was fucking hard <laughs> i mean i think a lot of people became aware of attila when about that life kind of blew up but you guys have been a band for seven years or something at that point six or seven years oh yeah We've been a band since 2004, so Attila's been around for 18 years now. I mean, I remember you guys like maybe around Rage or something like that when you started to get a little bit of momentum. And even then, you guys were not playing big shows for the most part. No, we were still small. And, uh, you know, I think that just that level of like willingness to grind to me is like the thing I would want people to take away from this. And like you've talked about that with Stay Sick, too. Like it took you several years of that before it made any money. And if you look at, yep. Um, if you look at, you know, of that, say whatever, 10 years ago, like every guy in a warp tour band had a clothing line back then. Yeah. And how many of them are still around besides stay sick? A couple? Maybe. Yeah, exactly. I think I've, I've personally visually seen friends of mine start a clothing company because they find out about stay sick and I'm doing well. And then within a few months they're gone. And it's yep. just like, you just did this for money. And this is the key is that I didn't do stay sick just for money. I didn't do Attila for money. I did it because I enjoyed doing it. And I knew I was going to do it for a really, really, really long time. That's, that's the key. You can't, nothing is, there's no, nothing in the world. That's a get, get rich overnight scheme that doesn't exist. Right. It's fake. You have, if you want to do something, you have to fully commit. Yeah. There's so many times where it seems like something was an overnight success, but that's only because you didn't see it until it was kind of already popping. You didn't see the five years that they were struggling when nobody gave a fuck. Exactly. And all the failures, all the small, shitty little local shows with four people there. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's part the, of the ice, process. It's the iceberg effect where like exactly. 90% of it is below water and you only see the tip, like the cool success part. Like, look at my cool car, my house. It's like, nah, it was a lot of shitty stuff to get to that point. Right, right. So let's talk about Stay Sick. When did you start it? And what if your goal wasn't necessarily money, what was your goal? So I started Stay Sick in 2011. So it's been 11 years straight of the same clothing brand. And um, basically- when the band was not super big. No, no, no. We weren't big. Two things inspired it, really. It was the birth of my first child, Blaze, and the fact that I had a lot of ideas for t-shirts and hats and things that I wanted to wear that weren't available. So my mind is just buzzing with ideas and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want a shirt with this on it. Like I want a hat with this on it, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't exist. So that's kind of when I put two and two together and said, well, why don't I just make my own clothes that I love and I'm going to wear them. And because I am in a band, I can wear the clothes that I want, that I love. Anyone that knows me knows I only wear stay sick clothes exclusively for the past 12 years of my life. <laughs> like, Dead ass. Like, that's all I wear, but it's because I like what I make. I make it right. because I like it. And if you like what I make, excellent. You can buy it. And it's, I don't make it because I think it's a gimmick or it's a cash grab. I make it because I think it's fucking sick and I'm going to wear it every day. So I think that was kind of the basis for starting Stay Sick as a company was I want clothes for me. I'm going to make them. If other people like it, Fuck yeah, if they don't, I don't care. And then the first couple of years of Stay Sick, I made basically nothing 
but I didn't care because I liked everything I made and I was happy. And then it was like two years later of making no money. And all of a sudden it just went blue. And I was like, okay, cool. Now people are on board with the shit that I like, like, cool. Was that just sort of because the band was growing then, or was there one particular like item that came out or what made it take off like that? I think it was a mix between my persistence for the brand and then also the popularity of Attila growing because I always promoted Stay Sick. It was just that my reach was smaller. And then as more people saw, you know, hey, like that shirt he's wearing is cool. Oh, yeah, you can buy it. I made it. It's my design. And then it, I feel it, like it that just grew. Suck my fuck shirt must have been a big one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Suck, suck my fuck was a big one for sure. Yeah. One of the trickiest parts for me, so I don't know if you know this, but I, I used to design shirts for a living for Hollister and Abercrombie. Oh, um, shit. I didn't know and, that. That's awesome. Yeah. If I did that for like five years. And uh, one of the tricky things about apparel is, at least in my experience, you really don't know what is going to sell well. Like you think you know, but you don't fucking know. You could be so convinced this thing's going to blow out and nobody gives a shit. And then you make some weird jokey one and it fucking sells yep. like crazy. You're like, really? That one? How do you sort of manage that given that, I mean, I'm guessing you don't do direct to garments, so you got to buy inventory on this stuff. How do you sort of, how do you handle that? So you're absolutely right. You never know what's going to pop off and it's probably going to be the design that you don't think is going to pop off. You put five minutes into. Exactly. Dude, straight up. So it's, I, I view, I view making clothes like a clothing drop or a collection the same way that I view making an album. It's very similar you make 10 songs and you know song song 7 is my favorite like i love this song and song 2 i don't care about really so song 7 is almost definitely the one that is not going to get popular <laughs> exactly so song 7 because i love that song yeah. no one cares about song 2 that i'm like eh whatever right. it blows up it's the same exact thing for clothes i'll create 10 new items to release and I'm very excited about item seven. This is the shit. I want to wear this every day. No one cares. But item two that I just kind of was like, ah, fuck it, whatever. Right. That blows up and that makes all the money. And like, I'll get 90% of my income from a single item. And it's like, yep. I didn't think anyone was going to care about that. Like, I like this one, but you put them all out. And it's kind of like, I, I don't like gambling. I hate it. I'm not, I have no addiction to gambling. But to me, it's kind of like probably that same feeling where you gamble and you throw a bunch of stuff out there and you hope to get hit it. And then you hit it and it's it feels good. It almost always like made me wonder. It's like, do I have, do I like, do I know what i'm doing at all so it's like i have no <laughs> fucking clue what is going to be popular uh it's tough well so how do you think i know this is like really specific but this kind of stuff is the difference between a successful business and not a lot of times how do you handle buying inventory with that in mind uh so everything i do is printed and fulfilled through merch now so what they'll do is they'll print a small amount of every item, not like an insane amount, like not Walmart shelves full. We'll do smaller amounts of every item. And then after like my brand new launch came out Friday and then now it's Tuesday and we already know the top five sellers. Got it. Okay. So those like enough those... to cover the initial batch orders, no matter what. So people exactly. So now we're going to put more effort into reprinting and stocking those first five uh, top five items. And then the rest we can kind of, you know, wean out. And right. That's Clearance. that's kind that's kind of yeah. how we roll. Got it. OK. Yeah. Because it's so easy 
to lose your ass, you know, by buying the wrong. I mean, it happens to bands oh, yeah. all the time. It's like, oh, we thought, well, it's tougher on tour because then you got to get shit air freighted and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, we thought we needed this many larges, but everyone wants a medium on this tour. And now we lost money on our merch. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tough, but you got to just plan accordingly and, and be smart about it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs. But what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. So how much of a priority right now is Attila for you? A major you, priority. You, you were saying for a while, like, oh, I thought about not touring anymore or something. Uh, I mean, I never thought about not touring. I would say that I was interested in touring less just because yeah. I'm I'm so family oriented and I've got three kids now, so it's nice to be home. I would say right now Attila is a bigger priority than it's ever been before in my life because we've seen like we've seen the very bottom where we started we've seen the struggle we've seen what it's like to pop off and be like really fucking big and then and then things kind of tapered down and we've seen recently what it's like to be the band where 
we've got the songs. We're ready to grind. We want to get on the tours, but we're not getting we're not getting on these massive fucking slipknot tours. We're not getting these dope ass tours. And it's kind of like put a chip on our shoulder to where right now um, all ego is gone. No ego, no, no false, whatever. We're down at the bottom, like working our fucking asses off to make the best music because we feel like we want revenge, I guess is the word. Like we want to prove that, we're not going anywhere. We never have gone anywhere. We have our core fan base. We're still killing it, but we want more and we have to prove ourselves and we have to work harder to get more. So we're, we're really in like a super grind stage. Cause I, I talked about it with some people and I was like, I'm not going to lie. Like the, about that life cycle and after it, it's easy to get an ego. Like everyone wants my shit. Like every band wants to be on our tour. We're selling out every venue. Like it's like, you know, you can't get enough of us. And, and you get through that phase and create creatively. It tends to make you a little bit, I guess, lazy because Mm -hmm. you just feel like you're on top of the world and anything you do is golden. And now it's more of a reality check where like, Hey, everything isn't fucking gold. You have to work hard. And it's kind of, it's bringing me back to my past self. Like I need to work hard. I need to do the best I can do in order to get what I want. So I'm more into Attila than ever and ready to work harder than ever. Well, you guys are in that sort of, I don't know if I'd say awkward, but that part of your career that every band goes through where you know, it's like not a hype band anymore, but not a legacy band yet. It's that sort of like in between stage where yeah. you got like, you know, Newfound Glory was there in like 2008, but then they came out with Not Without a Fight and they came back and everyone loved them. And now they're like legends. So you yeah. guys are kind of at that stage where, you know, you just got to keep stay hungry and humble and all that stuff. Exactly. But that's just sort of the stage you're at. Yeah. So this new album that we're actually writing right now, we've we've been deep into the writing process for the past, I would say, six months. And no one knows this yet, but July 19th is when we go into the studio and start recording. So we are at the recording phase where we're we're getting shit done. This is, yeah, it's the first time people know Attila going to the studio July 19th. But who are you going to be working with? uh, Actually, we're going to be recording with our guitarist and we're probably going to send it off to Joey Sturgis for mixing. Um, But he's been teamed up with a producer named Kurt. I forgot his last name, but I don't know, Kurt. He has like the number one, like he works with really big bands and he has the number one song on Octane right now. Like this dude. And he's just that dude where anything he touches is gold. He's got this like, nerdy almost like autistically smart at music like just insane so we're working with him and uh we're we're very excited about what we have so far nice well uh i i don't know if you know this but i i'm also business partners with joey so obviously a fan of anything he does oh yeah same here yeah cool Uh, well i'll be excited to hear that so um I guess, uh, where do you see, like, is the goal for Attila, like in 10 years, do you want to be where a Slipknot or whatever is now? Like, is that is that where you want to go with Attila? Fuck yeah. I, I want to be the biggest band in the world, straight up. And, and like I said, the reason I think that I have an edge and Attila has an edge, it's not because of money. We're right. fine. We all own houses. We're, how many metalcore bands does every member own a house? None. Yeah, not many. None, maybe a couple, 
like right. less than you can count on one hand. We're good. We don't need money. We want to prove a fucking point. We want to be a legacy band. We like the experience. We like the rush of playing a festival headlining for a big crowd. That's what we want. So we're only in it to be the biggest. And as far as the future goes, that's where it gets tough because Attila has always been like a multi-genre alternative band to where we can do trap metal. We can do alternative and get like a little bit Southern with it. And we can do deathcore. Like we can do everything Mm -hmm. and we're really damn good at all of it. It's just kind of honing in and figuring out what we want to do. And my bass player, Kalen is actually here at my house right now. And we had a long talk today about a lot of stuff. And it's like, we could write, we could write the best song ever. We could write like, we could write exactly what everyone loves right now. Like, let's just say uh, a knocked loose song or a spirit box song. We could write that same song right now. The difference is the metalcore audience and fan base is so fucking harsh. Like it's become, it's become such a gatekeeper, like fuck you, fuck everyone, like fuck Attila audience that it wouldn't matter if we wrote the same identical song as all these bands that everyone's hyped about. The audience is just the most unacceptive, like nasty, like isn't that wild? It was not like that 10 years ago. No, it wasn't. It used to be cool. Like being metalcore. It was fun. Was fun. Now they fucking hate. And pop punk is like this too. The same kids, (laughs) the warp tour kids that were these like nice teenagers 10 years ago are these fucking assholes that hate everything now. Exactly. It's stupid. Like it used to be the coolest genre where I felt like excited to be a part of this and everyone was accepting and now it's just anything you do you get crucified these reddit all these nerds fucking nitpick everything reddit you do nerds say twitter gatekeepers yep. all this shit i'm just like ah like i'm damn good at this genre and i love it but it's almost like do i want to switch genres because i can write a masterpiece in any genre i choose and we can like we can switch and go a different route and actually have a like appeal to more new fans that are accepting not saying our fans are Attila fans are the best fans in the world they are super accepting and amazing I love all our fans that we have but as far as appealing to new fans is it even worth it to to try to appeal to this like gatekeeping metalcore crowd no it's almost not not. even worth it because it doesn't it doesn't matter you can't anyway like, like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to text uh, fucking Brian from Knock Loose and get him like, bro, please get on into yeah. a song. Like, I need your stamp of approval. Like, no, I'm, they I'm would just say it sucks that. and he sucks for being on the song. And rah, yeah, rah, rah, and you it's, know. it's, you know, what am I going to do? What am right. I going to do? Right. Like, <laughs> well, Attila has always done your own thing. So I think, you know, there's 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 bands like, I mean, you know, yes, it is metalcore, deathcore, whatever it is, but you guys have always done your own thing i mean even like with your vocals the stuff you were doing you know 10 or 12 years ago is stuff that you know people only started doing in trap metal you know five years ago you know what i mean like you did that like real fast ghost main kind of stuff 10 years ago oh exactly and then look at people like like ghost main look at look at bands like hunt the dinosaur which is like i love i love hunter by the way he's my friend 
straight up Attila ripoff, like to the T. Sure. Like, look at all these bands are, are like, you know, they inspire from it. And the difference is when we did trap metal and I did fast vocals and like rap and hip hop and metal, it wasn't cool. No, nope. not at all. It, it wasn't cool. We were the black sheep of the industry. People didn't even understand what it was. No. And everyone talks shit about us, just like they right. always have. And and then eventually it kind of became cool. And people were like, hey, like, I, I like this. This is cool. But I don't feel like you have really gotten credit for that. I 100% agree. And I don't care. Like one one day, maybe I'll get credit for it. But you will eventually. I hope so. We'll see. That, that's always the way it works. It's like it takes a long time. It takes way fucking longer than it should. I mean, people hated Slipknot when they came out, you know? Like you were a poser oh, if yeah. you liked Slipknot in 2001. Oh, yeah. So I guess we're kind of at this cross path where we want to just keep doing the same thing because we're good at it. But we also kind of want to switch things up and do go different routes and kind of try you have to have permission to kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of your attitude and your music. Like, I mean, you you guys can kind of do whatever you want, I think. I follow you and I know you well, I feel like, and I know that you actually are a fan of alternative rock and like the big, big rock bands that everyone else hates on. And, and I think that we could cross into a route like that. Or for example, um, a friend of mine is a country artist named Hardy and he just released oh, okay, a song yeah. called sold out and it's mm -hmm. a country song. It's a country song, it's but badass, it's rocking, but it's rocking and it's got screaming in it. And it's yeah. like, I see videos of this. I was just showing Kalen like Huge. not even 30 minutes ago downstairs. I was showing Kalen this dude in Madison Square Garden sold out playing this country song with screaming and like like heavy metal and hard rock influence. And I'm like this like these fans are perfect. Everyone has a beer in their hand. Everyone's mm -hmm. having the time of their lives like this. No one is on fucking Twitter. No one's talking yeah. shit. Like these are all like genuine music fans. They're not right. in it for a trend. They don't want right. clout. This isn't the fucking dude that's never really listened to hardcore wearing a terror shirt. This is right. like real authentic. They just want to have fun on the weekend blue collar i love music not fans. trying to impress anyone no not trying to get laid or get clout yeah. these are real music fans and i i that's the thing it used to be that metalcore was the real music fans and then now i don't know if it's twitter social media what it is now it's more about clout and and what is what is cool to like like if i yeah. if i post that i'm listening to this band or i post an instagram photo in this band shirt is it cool and that i think kills the fun of music is when you lose your freedom of choice to like what you like because right. you actually love it and that's that's where metalcore in my opinion used to be the shit because it was cool no matter what now it's only cool if you like a certain band yeah that that's i mean i was older than all these kids but that's what i really appreciated about the myspace kind of era is like wow these are just like kids that don't know what the rules are and don't give a fuck. And they're just like going for it and doing whatever they want. And ever all the old people uh, talk shit and these kids don't give a fuck. They're just like having fun. And then they became the old people that yelled at everyone because they didn't follow the rules. And it's kind of a bummer. And it definitely holds the genre back because who wants to like be part of this scene where everyone is a miserable fucking asshole that is looking down on you and judging you. It's like, any sort of halfway decent, like happy person is going to 
go to one of these shows or go on Reddit or whatever and see the vibe. And they're going to be like, oh, that's what this scene is like. Yeah, no, thanks. Exactly. So it's kind of like turning people away from joining this music family, which is metalcore as an umbrella term, because why would you want to be a part of that? Like, it's, yeah, it everyone's sucks. it's not every, fun. No, it's it's not and fun. It always used to be fun. fun. Exactly. Like always fun. That's that's why Attila became a band is because we were born in a scene where nothing was fun. Everything was stale. When we started in 2004 in suburb Georgia, we were the only band that wasn't a Christian band because at the time it was Norma Jean, The Chariot, all these bands. You had to be a Christian band. And we said, we don't want to do this shit. We're not Christian. We like to party, have fun. We want the music that we make to be fun. And a lot of people lied about being Christian too. Oh yeah, that a was lot a, of that. That was a big thing back in the early 2000s, just like yeah. lying to get on whatever Christian record label or whatever. It was like the weirdest fakest shit of my life. Meanwhile, they're on the bus doing drugs and fucking groupies like everyone else. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're not Christian. You're the worst person I've ever met. Yeah. Like just own up to it. So I think that's kind of the reason Attila's different is cuz we always just wanted to be true to ourselves. Like I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a good person. People on Twitter are like, Franz, you're a narcissist. And I go, yes, I am a narcissist. I write songs about being a narcissist. Read the fucking lyrics, dipshit. I'm not lying. I'm being who I am. I'm being true to myself. Like That's the difference between Attila and all these other bands is that they're lying and putting on a fake front to try to be like sugarcoat themselves and be something presentable to a bigger audience and to get acceptance from whatever. Speaking of your lyrics, it's ironic to me that although Attila is like kind of a fun, lighthearted band, I actually think your lyrics have more substance to them than most, you know, bands who are quote unquote serious. I agree. I agree. And I also would say that a lot of our songs that are actually serious, like real, like meant to be serious are the songs that get swept under the rug that no one even cares about. So it's like, we can write a really ignorant, crazy, like party song or something that's going to push people's buttons. And that'll be the hit of the album because yep. everyone's talking about it. But then they they overlook the songs that are like, hey, like this song is about struggling with anxiety. Like this song is about um, struggling with a breakup. This song's about like these songs are all deep, but people will overlook those that are also equally important to me as partying. It's just kind of like it's almost like the scene is kind of pigeonholed us. Like if you, if you won't give us a chance for our serious music that we actually like put heart and soul into the lyrics, then why should we do that? When we can just write, you're not going to get any credit for it. You know, No, we can just write party bangers all damn day long. Right. Like uh, (laughs) I I think it's, uh, I talked about this in the video I made about you, but I think it's rise up. I I, like the lyrics to that song are really fucking good. Like positive, constructive, like that's a great fucking message. But again, how many people, you know, if you asked him in a Tilla song, how many people would remember that one? Probably only like the most like hardcore fans. Exactly. A very, very small percentage. Funny thing you said that I actually just played that song today because um, in the midst of listening to a bunch of country music, I was showing Kaylin. I was like, dude, these are literally like this could be a country lyrics. Like this Absolutely. is a, this is what that crowd would like. Yes. Which is why I listen to so much country now. And not not the like depressing, like real country shit. I like the pop country stuff, you know, the pop country stuff for the dude at Bass Pro Shops 
buying a fucking fishing boat. That's what I'm into. Yeah, the good vibe stuff. Exactly. Good vibes, family values, you know, kind of stuff for people that don't hate themselves. Yeah. No, you know? same same with fucking metal. Like, why can't we have more metal for people that, you know, are actually happy with their lives? Like, why is or that would, Or at taboo? least want to be. Yeah, or at least want to be and want to inspire to be happier. Like, everything doesn't have to be so damn depressing all the time. Yeah, it's like people have this idea that... um at least in metal, that if it's uh, if it's not all dark and heavy, that it's not real music and, you know, or or even just like, I mean, half these bands, their lyrics don't even make any fucking sense. They're not saying anything at all. Like, sorry, what is real about that? It literally makes no sense. It's just whatever the trend is for that week, that month, whatever people catch on to, whatever, you know, popular person retweets, whatever big band brings them on tour oh they, they're cool they got the stamp of approval they're on tour with the right. big band it's just it's weird and i think the weirdest part about being involved in this scene is just that we're like we as attila are friends as in close friends with almost every single band like there is like from everyone from terror to uh hate breed to black veil brides like these are all like close friends that we when we're in their town we hang out right. and, and even these, you know, whatever, any, any band headlining, anything, we're all friends. But the weird thing about the scene is that we want to tour together. These bands want to bring us out. We want to bring these bands out. The weird thing is that it's not up to us, even right. though we're friends and we get along and we want to tour together. It's up to the managers, the suits and ties, the business people, the fucking uh, booking agents. Right. And, these people only do shit for, for favors. It's like, and they want to have four bands on the tour that all sound exactly the fucking same that draw the same fans. And it's like, yep. Wouldn't it be better to like bring in four different audiences? Exactly. Like, why do you want to sell the same ticket four times to when the you same person appeal? that would have gone to see one of those, one bands? of them. Yeah, exactly. And you could bring a diverse lineup because that's like one thing I always tell, like our, our manager and booking agent, I'm like, look, Attila is going to bring, you know, three, 400 unique ticket sales to any tour you put us on. Put us on this weird tour. I don't care. Put us on a country tour. Put us on fucking um, a screamo like singing band tour. I don't care. Put us on any tour. We're going to bring unique ticket sales and that wouldn't have gone otherwise. And it's going to be a unique experience and bring more heads to the building. But it just doesn't work like that. Like the way my brain works. People are which so like, seems conservative and like risk averse about this stuff. They they really are. And it's just a lot of there's so much politics. And yeah. that's that's why that's why I'm starting to grow, I guess, bitter, maybe is the word or whatever, is it's not about the fact that, hey, we're best friends with this band. We want right. to tour together. It's not our choice. It's not the other band's choice. We want it. It's not our choice. It's politics. Because this booking agent doesn't like that manager because of something yeah. that happened when they worked at the same label nine years ago exactly it's, <laughs> it's like it's, dude it's, i don't give a fuck if you guys like each other or not like and that's something that like the fans behind the scene don't know and i wish they did know is that you know hey tour with this band tour with this band oh trust me we want to yeah it's not in the band wants to it's just because bullshit politics between xyz it's the stupid suit and tie behind the scenes bullshit all the shit that maybe want to play music in the first place like to go against those people now it's like that's all coming back to bite everyone in the ass and it's just over time like that that part of music is what makes it not fun that yeah. that part 
yeah, that, that stuff is super exhausting. So how do you kind of deal with that aside? Like if you don't want to quit, what do you do about it? I think that we just keep going or we kind of pivot. So I think that like, like, like I, like we said, like we, we like a wide variety of music, like as Attila, like we love rap. We like country. Like we love all these different genres. The difference between a rap crowd and a country crowd and a metalcore crowd is that like the country crowd is forever accepting and, and kind and nice and just stoked to be there. And, and, happy that you're there and the metalcore crowd just fucking hates everything and (laughs) and you know and so it's like we want to do what we do but it's like we could write we could write a fucking architects album we could write a knocked loose album whatever you name it we could write a spirit box album we could write the biggest fucking shit right now we're we're the most talented people i know but it wouldn't matter because it's under the name attila and x x manager and and z booking agent and blah 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 like fuck this band and and this pub publication uh yeah it's dog shit no matter what we could write right. a masterpiece oh it's dog shit it's it's just the politics and stuff it just specifically within this genre of metalcore that is so like toxic and it's just like like you said 10 years ago it used to not be like that it used to be like the most fun place where it was like genuinely exciting and and opportunities like if you think about 2013 2014 warp tour everyone was having the time of their fucking life that was the warp tour we were on and yeah we we did both of those years and and people like even then 2014 about that life was brand new every single publication every publication revolver ap you name it zero out of ten zero out of ten the The worst album yeah yep yeah, you got it. Yep. <laughs> Every oh, publication hated it. it. We went on Warp Tour, and you want to know what happened? We had the biggest crowd every single day out of out of 60 bands. Biggest crowd. People would run to see us because people like different. They like shock. And fun. They like fun. They like all these things. And and it's like the it's like the industry is kind of just pushing that away. Like this is serious. Like this is yeah, P- it's like this is PC culture. It's serious. It's like I started a rock band not for money, but for fucking rock and roll and right. fun. And now literally from the business side down, it's just pushing it out. It's very strange to me how like rock in general, but especially, you know, metal, metalcore, whatever is so like anti-fun. It is so strange to me. Why? <laughs> like people don't want to have fun. I, I had a big talk the other day about this. And I said, look, the average person has a job that they work that they might not like. They might be in a relationship they're not happy with. Something in their life is not exactly what they want. So when they listen to music, they want a release. They want an outlet. They want something they can have fun to. And, and for me, that's why I created Attila is because I wanted to create something to where people could say, yo, fuck my job. My boss is an asshole. Like I hate, I hate everything. Like I'm going to get off work. I'm going to crack a tall boy and I'm going to listen to Attila because this makes me happy. Like they don't want to listen to bands that are like talking about politics and right. fucking intense things that are like, oh man, I just worked 10 hours. Now my brain has to work extra hard. <laughs> I mean, for this and there's music a place for this... that stuff too, but does everything have to be that? No, 
It doesn't. So why not allow a place for it? Because there's clearly a fan base for it. When Danny Wimmer or whoever runs festivals allows Attila to be on a festival, guess what? It's just like Warp Tour. We have one of the biggest crowds with the most engagement and the most fun. And if you search on Twitter or Instagram hashtags from that festival, most of it is us. Perfect example. The last big festival we played was Incarceration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Slipknot played. All these massive bands played. Guess what? You search the hashtag for that festival on Instagram or Twitter. A lot of it is Attila. We didn't even play main stage. They put us on the fucking dipshit stage. That's fine. I don't care. We had one of the biggest crowds that was the most engaged. We had the biggest circle pit of the whole festival. And and everyone was into it. Like everyone was excited to be there. Everyone else was playing architects riffs, crying about their feelings. Exactly. No disrespect to architects. They're a great band. <laughs> but like they're a good example though. Like who we, like we don't need 500 more architects. No. They're never going to do it better than they did. Exactly. I just said the same thing the other day. We don't need any more. We have them. Do yes. something different. Be unique. Exactly. Why is it that hard? Exactly. So, and you know, and yeah. the thing, the thing with Attila in particular is like if people think your lyrics are dumb or if they think you're a douche, you know, that's one thing. But like, you know, people are entitled to their opinion. But objectively speaking, Attila is a good fucking band. Like, there's no way that if you're a fan of metal that you listen to the sound coming out of the speakers and you're like, that's bad. You know what I mean? Exactly. Ignore my lyrics. You don't, you don't like what I sing about. That's fine. Not everyone but will. Just based on a purely sonic perspective. Yeah. Just admit it, it. A mirror got the same thing. Everyone hated a mirror for so long for like no fucking reason. Like, how could you like, you know, whatever fill in the blank 10 bands and not like a mirror or not like Attila. It's just all based on this weird arbitrary sense of what you're supposed to like and not like. It's it's back to like the whole high school mindset. It's right. very clicky. It's like, right. oh, like, why can't I hang out with Jessica? Like, she's cool right. as shit. Oh, because right. if you hang out with her, like, you're not oh, cool. Well, she's she likes Robbie and nobody likes Robbie. Yeah, you know? it's 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 all the high. It's like high school drama shit. And then you see all of a sudden something changes. And now all of a sudden people like Amir. You know? Yeah. Well, OK, cool. I'm glad you like them, but you should have liked them all along. Amen. And I think what will happen is I think uh, it's everything comes in waves. And that's why Attila has been around for 18 years. We've seen the waves. I think right now we're in a wave. It's probably also largely to do with like the political climate, the crazy stuff happening in the world. Like the world is is a serious place right now. So it yeah. is not cool to be Attila. Like, you know, you need to fight for a cause, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not to say I don't have morals. Sure. Like, I'm I'm very pro-choice, pro-women. I'm pro, like, I'm the same person as everyone else watching. Like, I'm pro-everything. We have morals. It's just like the the space for fun music is not there right now. Everything is, it's getting into that serious phase. But like I said, everything comes in waves. So this wave shall pass. And then people soon will start wanting to have fun again. And that's when it'll come back around where like, okay, like Attila's fun. All right. We liked them all along. We just couldn't admit it because it wasn't exactly. cool. Now exactly. it's cool. It's coming soon. You know, I, I can, I can feel it coming. You're right. It's totally cyclical. It goes through this, like, you know, fun and serious thing. I've seen it happen many times and, uh, Sure, it's going to happen. All right. Well, I will uh, let you go, but uh, make sure to check out Franz on Twitch. 
MoshDad420. There will be a link in the description of this video or if you're listening to the podcast in the show notes. So check it out. Sunday service. Go watch some video games, you know, hang out with Franz, listen to some stories before I let you go. Anything else you want to add or uh, plug or whatnot? Thanks for having me. The brand new Stay Sick collection just dropped a few days ago and it's available on staysickthreads.com. Attila is working on new music. Uh, Bone Crew has new music on deck as well. Uh, still very much active and working on new stuff all across the board. And I just started Twitch. So I like this to me is a short stream, like one hour, really like on my Twitch, I'm, I'm going for like four hours. I just feel like I could talk forever. So, you know, if you, if you check out my Twitch, I'm nice. just always on there talking shit, whatever. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Love you, Finn. Take it easy. Too. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.